This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now, Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. I think we're recording. Oh, there we go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Kadar, joined as always by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how you been? Good, Dan. How's it going? Very, very good. We are coming off a pretty resounding, I think, Browns 20-6 to win over the New York Giants on uh, Sunday Night Football. Browns were in primetime two weeks in a row. We went 1-1. One one. They looked good in both games. I don't think Sunday night was in doubt at all, but Nate, coming up, they, they go back to New York again to play the Jets. And we're just going to get right into it off the jump this week, talking about the game coming up, because the Jets are terrible. Uh, they won their first game of the season, which is humorous, because now they probably won't be able to draft Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. But that's beyond the point for our our discussion here. The Jets are terrible. That's the point. And I, I think what is happening right now is everybody's kind of looking forward to that last game of the season against the Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry rekindled. You have uh, the Steelers back in Cleveland first time since the miles Garrett helmet swing. There's a, there's a ton. So I kind of think Nate that this jets team is being overlooked a little bit. What is your sense of that? And is this, this is not something we've ever said on this podcast. Is this a trap game for the Cleveland Browns? It is, but I don't think that Kevin Stefanski is going to allow his guys to fall into that trap. So for fans, certainly, you know, everybody's so hyped up and focused on, you know, the possibility of the Browns and Steelers playing in the finale at First Energy Stadium on January 3rd for the AFC North crown. And that is exciting, but the Browns can't even have that possibility if they don't take care of business against the Jets. So I think Kevin Stefanski has done a great job of having these guys focused. They've taken care of business against the teams they uh, have were supposed to beat this season, with maybe the exception of the Raiders. Uh, I think the Browns were slight favorites there. But other than that, the Browns have – done what you want to do that's beat the teams you're supposed to beat and you know you could have said the same about the Giants and you know overlooking that and I think they came out and they handled themselves the way they were supposed to handle themselves I think that Kevin Stefanski has just such a a good hold on his team he has so much respect from his players it's amazing what he's done in his first season I 
I already give him the benefit of the doubt in discussions like this. I think he is going to have his team focused, and I don't think that they are going uh, to have some shocking collapse against the Jets. I also think that it helps them that the Jets just won, right? The Jets aren't that desperate team trying to avoid joining the Browns and the Lions as the only teams in NFL history to go 0-16. That is off the table now that they beat the Rams. So I think all this lines up for the Browns to take care of business and they can clinch a playoff berth Sunday if they defeat the Jets, even tie the Jets in some scenarios, and get some help. Have you completely um, memorized all of the playoff scenarios at this point? Because they are quite staggering if you really jump into all the possibilities for the Browns just this week, even Saturday. Can't they? Can, can the Browns clinch on Saturday night? No. Okay. The, the see, Browns I'm, see, I'm, I'm totally confused. Here it is. So the Browns cannot clinch Saturday night, but Saturday night will be a um, must-watch game for for Browns fans between the Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders because if the Dolphins lose that game, then the Browns can clinch Sunday with a win over the Jets or even tying the Jets. So by the end of that game, which I think is a what, 8.15, 8.00, I think it's an 8:15 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end, so by about 11:30 Saturday night, we will know um, for sure if the Browns are going to face the Jets in a in a win, win and in scenario, or even a tie. Um, even if Miami wins, the Browns can still clinch Sunday. So let's just say Miami wins. Then the Browns can clinch if they beat the Jets and Baltimore loses. Uh, Baltimore ha- has the Giants. And even a, even a Baltimore tie and a Browns win would get the Browns in. The Browns can also clinch. This one is probably a little trickier given the state of the Steelers, but the Browns can clinch if they beat the Jets and the Colts lose to the Steelers. So boy, the, the <laughs> so those are the teams. It's 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 what what do the what do the Dolphins do on Saturday night, and then what do the Ravens and Colts do on Sunday? Now the the Colts against Pittsburgh and the Ravens against the Giants. I mean I I don't know I I, I kind of think the most likely I don't know I think I kind of think the you know, Baltimore is going to beat the Giants. I, I, I do think that. I think that Indy is going to beat the Steelers. Mm. I kind of think the Raiders can beat the Dolphins. I, I mean, I, I would, I would, I, I would say that if I had to bet on it, I would bet on the Dolphins. But out of the, out of which one's likeliest to happen, uh, which, which break the Browns are likeliest to get. I think I might go with the Raiders on Saturday night. I think you're right about that. I think it's it's a 
it's a trio of of tough games if you're a Browns fan because I don't think any of those are are gimmies for what the Browns need. So that look, I I, I feel like I'm going to do what everybody else is doing and say that that's going to make that Week 17 game against the Steelers gigantic. Like. I, I can understand why people are already kind of looking ahead because to me, the, the playoff scenarios, which by the way, just hearing them, I'm picturing Zach Galifianakis in the hangover gambling, you know, and all the formulas <laughs> yeah. flashing in front of him. Um, but it's really, you're watching those AFC South teams because the Browns have the tiebreaker over them because they beat them. So it's, it's something, it's, it's something we're not used to talking about, certainly. And, um, it's, I, I think the, the probability is the Browns make the night, the playoffs at 90%, according to a couple different places, yeah. ESPN and, and 538. So it's, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, but it's not a, it's far from guaranteed. Yeah, it's, this is how crazy it is. All these things are true. The Browns can win the AFC North. I mean, it's still a possibility. Yep. The Browns can clinch a wild or they The Browns can win the AFC North. The Browns can make the playoffs as a wild card team. The Browns can miss the playoffs altogether. It's all on the table. It's December. The Browns are hot. Baker Mayfield's hot. It's fun. Dan, in years past, we'd have been talking <laughs> about the Mandalorian right now. We, we would, would have be. been doing a Browns podcast, but talking mostly about the Mandalorian. We would. Be. That's how things have changed. Look, hey, if you want, we still can talk about the Mandalorian. But well, we love the Mandalorian as because we text each other after we both watched the episodes for the record. But yes, th- this is really what it's all about. Relevant football in December going right down to the, the wire and the Browns. I mean, like I said, if the Dolphins lose Saturday night, people are going to be going nuts because they know what that means. And and this also sets up a scenario. The Browns can really, if the Dolphins lose Saturday night, the Browns can not only clinch a, a playoff berth by beating the Jets on Sunday, but they can also stay alive in the AFC North race too if the Colts beat the Steelers. So that would be the ultimate Browns fan dream. The, the Browns could clinch in week 16, but also have the uh, uh, possibility remain alive that they could beat the Steelers in the finale at First Energy for the division crown and, of course, that coveted home playoff game. Mm. It's it's. It's a it's hard to even fathom a little bit, but well, yeah, we... and I didn't even want to talk about this. <laughs> I started texting last last night when the Bengals were ahead, seventeen nothing at halftime. I said, Dan, I got to write something. I was running yep. on three hours sleep. It's not like I wanted to stay up and watch the the, the Monday night game, uh, and 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 write something off it, like just because the Browns played on Sunday night. So that means I'm up till five a.m. You know what I mean? It, it's just it's. It's one of those things where I'm barely functioning, but I know how important it is that the the Steelers left that door open by failing to take care of business against the previous uh, two win Bengals. 
so now the door is, isn't just cracked um it you know it it's open it's not wide open but it's open and <laughs> here we are i did not think that we yeah. would talk about the possibility of afc afc north title but the, the steelers have it's been been a historic collapse here it really has been and they just flat out other than tj watt do not look like a good football team whatsoever well, their defensive line is still pretty good. Look, we'll get into the Steelers more next week. This week, the, the Browns have the Jets. And, and like I said at the top, the Jets are terrible. And they have one win this season. They beat the Rams this past week, 23-20. to 20. Sam Darnold looked like a functioning quarterback. And boy, if you want to go back to that draft, the, the Browns sure made the right decision taking Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold. Uh, so I... I'll admit I was wrong there, very wrong, because Baker Mayfield the last few weeks, holy smokes, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to name more than a couple quarterbacks playing better than him in the NFL right now. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, maybe Ryan Tannehill, which maybe we'll talk about in three weeks, two weeks, we'll see. Um, But Mayfield is on fire. The Jets are terrible. Nate, I ask you this every week now. What do the Browns have to do to win the Jets? Is it just as simple as showing up? Well, no, it's it's continuing to uh, build on what they've been doing, and that's uh, really just, you know, trusting Baker Mayfield to con- continue rolling in December. A few weeks ago, he said in the build-up to the Titans game that, this is what we've been waiting for. This, when I got drafted and I was talking about turning around the culture, this is what I meant: playing these meaningful games in December. So let's seize the moment. And and he has seized the moment. And I have been so impressed how he's just kind of you know taken it to another level when it's mattered most. Really, it's a it's a huge credit to him. And also Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, they got together at that bye week, which landed smack dab in the middle of the season. Uh, so they had that week nine bye, and they were able to really go over a bunch of stuff that they probably would have had way more, um, you know, ideal opportunities to hash out if they had a normal off season. But everything was so condensed and rushed that some of that stuff slipped through the cracks. And they really, I think, made the most out of that bye week. They've all talked about it. And if you look at Baker's numbers, I mean, he is just, it, it, it's night and day um, what he's been able to do since then uh, compared with the first half of the season. So, yeah, it's just continue to, um, you know, have an efficient offense that, that to, trust the the growth and comfort that's taken place with with baker and the system and you know the the jets i i look at them and i look at the rankings and stuff one thing that they kind of do all right and well is stop the run i mean they're not bad against the run so um you know the giants are similar that way and you saw how baker was able to play against them and even the the threat of a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield does so much for the play action game, and he's just absolutely on fire in that play action game. The way they thought he would be, you know, um, 
the coaching staff, I mean, when, when they came in, it just took a while in this crazy year and this bizarre, unprecedented uh, season that didn't have preseason games or in-person off-season program. So, you know, I think we're seeing everything kind of catch up with Kevin Stefanski and Baker and Van Pelt and everybody on the same page. And he is red hot right now. He really is. He's thrown one interception since the bye week. He's completing, God, well over, well, well, well over 60% of his passes. And he just looks like a different quarterback, just the optics of how he's playing. He's hitting those more difficult throws. Obviously, some are going to miss here and there, but um, he's made David Njoku kind of look really good, I think. Austin Hooper, I think, is coming off his best game as a Browns player. Um, so so Mayfield is really, really hitting his stride at a time when you said it right, when, when he needs to, because the Jets are very good against the run. That That's kind of, I don't want to say the only thing they're good at, because that's just rude, and it's the holiday season. But um, Quinn and Williams is a really good defensive lineman. After him, I'd be hard-pressed for anybody to name some players on the Jets' defense. Um, so they, that, that begs the question. The Chris Hubbard injury. He came in and placed Wyatt Teller for uh, the game against the Giants. And he was hurt, what, what, the second play of the game, and replaced by Nick Harris. Now, that that's a tough assignment if Nick Harris has to block Quinn and Williams. I really like Nick Harris. I think he was a steal and the Browns got him in the draft, I believe in the fifth round. But talk to me about the Chris Hubbard injury. How big of a deal is that? Because I kind of think it's it's a big one. It can be a big deal, yeah, because he's been so versatile and um played so well in this backup role. He's been such a valuable sixth man for that offensive line. And not only did he start four games at right guard this year, th- uh, three of those were when uh, Wyatt Teller had a strained calf earlier in the season. And then the fourth one was Sunday night against the giants, but he also filled in in week, a week two win over the Bengals. Remember they were coming off that blowout loss um, to the Ravens in the opener. They had to turn around and play on a Thursday night and Jack Conklin's ankle wasn't quite right. They put Hubbard in there at right tackle, and he had a really good game. So he was he, he had a really nice season for them. A guy who's um, just a uh, you know loved by his teammates, a, a great locker room guy, a guy who restructured a contract to stay here after the Browns brought in Jack Conklin to replace him in the starting lineup. Just a just a great guy and a, and a and a good player in the role they had him in this year as that sixth man, really invaluable that way. So with him out and Wyatt Teller likely to be out, which is what Kevin Stefanski said yesterday on Zoom with Brown's beat writers. So you can basically unofficially rule Teller out for the Jets. Yeah, Nick Harris, fifth round pick, as you said, from Washington, he's going to get his first NFL start. And, uh, you know, I think he came in and he, he played all right. Uh, you know, in a pinch, he did give up uh, the only sack 
that the Browns allowed. Uh, Dexter Lawrence uh, got past him, and and you know it was kind of a a nasty sack on on Baker Mayfield. Just the the way that uh, Mayfield fell, I was a little concerned that for a minute, but he ended up being okay. So yeah, I mean it's something to watch. Uh, you know they 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 are uh, calling now. I mean they, I mean the Browns, Kevin Stefanski specifically, has called Teller week to week. So I don't even know if Teller's going to be back for the finale against the Steelers. They haven't put him on injured reserve, which indicates they think he can make it back after missing only two games. But I don't think they're certain. You know, the IR rule this year means that you have to miss at least three games. So I think it's a good sign that they haven't put him on IR, leaving open the possibility he can play in that finale against the Steelers. But in in the meantime, it's kind of the theme of the podcast. The Jets are what really matters right now. They've got to take care of that or, or you know, there is going to be no AFC North title on the line. And they're going to need Nick Harris to step up and and, and play well enough at right guard. I, I like the guy. I really like his attitude. Um, and he just seems like a great uh, guy. And he just he's really good. Uh, and when he talks to the media, explaining situations and how he's feeling about things. And uh, I wrote a story talking to. Uh, his high school coach who played in the NFL and, you know, his coach at Washington uh, after they drafted him. And he's just such a like a, a a really charismatic guy, a guy who I think can be a fan favorite here for years to come. And he's getting thrown in the fire, but he also got thrown in the fire in Washington. He played as a redshirt freshman before he ever expected to play. He's only 270 pounds when he came into Washington. They plan to develop him, put weight on him. But they end up throwing him out there, and he held his own, and and he's going to rely on that experience. I, I asked him about it yesterday when it comes to starting against the Jets. He said it's like it's, it's like the circle of life, you know. He I swear everything you know kind of you know comes back. So he he's looking at how he did and how he pulled this off in college. And granted, the NFL is not college, but when he's preparing mentally, he at least he can tell himself that. He's been able to rise to the occasion when called upon before. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I think he's a heck of a player. I think he, we, we talked about this when they drafted him. I, I want to say he was probably our favorite day three pick the Browns made this year. And we kind of tabbed him as the guy who will eventually be J.C. Treader's replacement. And, you know, you saw some of that early in training camp when Treader was hurt. So, so Harris has gotten a fair amount of, of snaps. And I, I think he's a really good player. So I'm, I'm not totally concerned about him playing. I'm more concerned about how the Browns have now zero margin for injury at the most physical position group in the NFL on the offensive line. You know, Conklin can't get hurt now. Treader has to continue being an Iron Man. Um, Nate, what happens if if somebody on that offensive line gets hurt? Who's, you know, Hubbard was six on the offensive line. Harris was obviously seven. Who the heck is the, the next player up on that offensive line if somebody does get hurt? 
It's a good Do question. It, yeah, it's Michael Dunn from the practice squad. He's gonna. He's been elevated uh, this season for games a few times. He's gonna be elevated again uh, for the Jets. He will be the new sixth man. And um, you know, I think he's an interior sixth man. I still think if one of the tackles gets hurt, it is nice that you have Kendall Lamb. We can't forget Kendall Lamb. A lot of starting experience True. under his belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kendall Lamb could, you know, end up being a, a, a key backup. Uh, of course, you don't want it to come to that. You want Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin to stay healthy. But in the scenarios you're discussing, I think Kendall Lamb is someone we must mention. But as, as far as interior, yeah, I think Michael Dunn's the he's the next man up at guard. So, you know. You don't want it to come to that, but if you if you had to have that happen, you know, if J.C. Treader got hurt, you could put Harris at center and bring Dunn in for right guard. But um, Kevin Stefanski actually shouted Dunn out yesterday and said he thinks that Dunn is ready for to, to be that versatile backup for them. So Michael Dunn might be a name Browns fans need to learn. Mm. The one player that went totally unmentioned there is I'm just going to say it fan favorite left guard Joel Batonio because he's just so darn dependable um well he's really he's great uh, he's that's great awesome. and he and he just made the pro bowl he made uh, right. his third pro bowl but guess get this Dan it's the first time he's been selected outright uh, the the, yeah. preview, the the first two times he made he made the Pro Bowl he was actually voted in as an alternate and then he was an injury replacement for the Steelers David DeCastro two years in a row so Joel gets the recognition he deserves by getting voted in and there are are no alternates this year which is an important thing to remember because there's no game because of COVID nineteen so with no alternates you're gonna have fewer Pro Bowlers. You're just voted to the Pro Bowl and that's it. You can't be an alternate and then a guy gets hurt or a guy has to play in the playoffs and then you have like 40 extra Pro Bowlers. So Jarvis Landry's consecutive Pro Bowl streak ended at five because he didn't get voted in. He's not an alternate, so you can't be an injury replacement. Landry's been voted in uh, before, including last year, straight up selection. But there have been years where he's been an alternate and gotten in too. So that just adds a little twist to the Pro Bowl discussion. But Batonio yeah. gets voted in outright and is also voted in as a starter. And look, I I can't stand the Pro Bowl because it's not real football and nobody actually cares about it. And it's more to me about contract incentives and, and stuff like that. But you make a very good distinction about this year being different because there's actually no game. So... If anything, if you ask me, the Pro Bowl is actually more important this year than ever. Um, so that's a that's a cool distinction for for Joel Batonio. He's obviously a player we, we've talked about a fair bit. Uh, very, very good player. Um, but he's one of three Browns in the Pro Bowl this year, Nate. Yeah. So here's the fun portion of the podcast. The other two are Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett. Look, the Browns are at least going to win 11 games this year. I'm going to say that. I would have to think they should have more than three pro bowlers. If you were to pick a fourth Browns player 
to be on the Pro Bowl team this year, who would your number four be? Denzel Ward, without question. He's he's the one. I'm not even going to say he's a snub because I thought the Browns had two other legitimate candidates. I thought they're Denzel Ward and Wyatt Teller. Both of them had injuries interfere. And when you have injuries interfere and you're missing time, so you're missing stats, you're also missing opportunities for people to see you. You know, fans, players, coaches, they do the voting on this. And Denzel Ward had a great game, probably the best game of his career in week 11 against the Eagles. He had four passes defense. One of them was an interception. He had a quarterback hit on an improvised blitz that screwed up a Carson Wentz throw and Taki Taki picked it off. It was a floater, returned 50 yards for an interception. I mean, Denzel Ward was the player of the game on defense. And that's even in a game in which Olivier Vernon had three sacks and actually got the AFC Defensive Player of the Week award. Denzel Ward actually just dominated that game. So he ends up straining his calf. He finished the game, thought it was kind of a minor thing. The next day, he was having problems walking. He ends up missing three games. And the games he missed were... Jacksonville on November 29th, Titans on December 6th, and Baltimore, Monday night game, on December 14th. So the Pro Bowl is voted on right there by the players and coaches in mid-December. So he missed the three games in the build-up to the voting. Um, and it was really it was really unfortunate timing because I think he, he's definitely a worthy candidate. And he's already made a Pro Bowl, you know. Um, he, I think he really should have had two, but it was it was really unfortunate the way it played out. And, and Wyatt Teller's had a, a really good season, but you know he's going on missing five games now coming up Sunday. Yeah, Teller would have been probably my fourth, but I do have kind of a surprise other one that I think is is a worthwhile discussion. And that is Kareem Hunt. Nate, I, he's great. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of carries at this point just because of Nick Chubb. But it, to me, it seems like he's the guy that the Browns put out there on third down more now. He's going to probably finish the year with 1,000 yards rushing or pretty darn close to it. He has 10 touchdowns already, two games left, so he could have up to 11 or 12 maybe. I think he's become a really important piece for what they do on offense. I think he's really good when he goes in on those third downs picking up blitzes, which is, I know, not a thing that is considered for the Pro Bowl. But i got to tell you, in the, in the Dan Kadar Pro Bowl, I might have put Kareem Hunt on there. I, I think he's really... He's he's adapted really well to his role. What do you what do you think of Kareem Hunt the past few weeks? He's been great, and it's no surprise we know how talented he is. It's such an amazing thing the way he and Chubb are able to get along and share that workload and be friends and be rooting for each other. It's the personalities really work well together, and I think John Dorsey. Th- thought that would be the case but nobody knew and I've asked Chubb and Hunt about that and 
neither one of them knew how it was going to go. And Chubb said that he <laughs> basically looked at his motivation to prove himself the first eight games of last season while Hunt was suspended. And then they ended up working so well together that Chubb wouldn't have it any other way. But I think it's funny when you consider how damn good Nick Chubb is. I mean, an elite player. He thought he had to prove himself with Kareem Hunt on the roster. That speaks to how good Kareem Hunt is and how talented he is. So they do push each other, and they are just a great fit personality-wise, skill set-wise, and it's it's really beyond a luxury. It's it's amazing that they have those two players in the same backfield. And Hunt is is a very interesting case you make, Dan, because not does he have the ten touchdowns. Yeah, more than a thousand yards receiving and rushing combined heading into the Giants game. Yep. So, I mean, if you look at it, <laughs> he is. Uh, I think he may. He might be the. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see if Chubb might have that now too. Yeah, I think Chubb has that now too, but. Um, Hunt beat him there. Obviously, Nick missed four games. But, yeah, just a a phenomenal player in his own right. Both those guys are. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good that's a good mention, Dan. I just, you know, you know how the voting works. That'd be a tough ask for for fans sure. to vote. For fans outside of, of Northeast Ohio to vote for two Browns running backs to the Pro Bowl. But I see your point. Yeah. And look, it, it's got to be said. I, I don't think this gets said enough um, when when players hit a rough spell in their personal life. Um, credit to Kareem Hunt, because, you know, who knows what could what could change with him in the future or, or if something happens. But, you know, we kind of wondered when he got pulled over, you know, after he signed with the Browns. Uh oh, here's this this troublemaker, this this bad guy, and obviously his his stuff in the past is well chronicled, and there's zero excuse for any of that. But there there has to be some kudos given to Kareem Hunt for you know seemingly getting over all that and and really turning his personal life around, at least from an outside perspective. That's how I see it. So. Um, some some kudos go to him for that too because that's I, I can't imagine you know all that weighing on you and and all that kind of stuff. So kudos to Kareem Hunt, a, a Dan Kadar Pro Bowl selection. Um, yeah, better not get in trouble and make Dan look bad for actually uh, giving you credit for off field behavior too. So keep it up. That's um, right. I'll tell you what, Baker Mayfield does not deserve to be in the Pro Bowl this year, but. He's been playing like a pro bowler the last few weeks. So I just want to throw that out there. And we talked about how hot he is and how on fire he's been and all that. To just put a label on it, it's been a pro bowl caliber month for him. It really has been. He's he's taken the proverbial next step, which, hey, look. When the when the Brown season is over, that's going to be the first thing we talk about. What do you do with with Baker Mayfield's contract? And uh, we'll we'll leave that out there for now. 
we'll continue leaving the Steelers out there for another week, and maybe we'll be talking about the playoffs next time we reconvene here on the Cover 2 podcast. Nate, you got anything else for us, though, this week before we check out? What can we say about um, a story that I don't want to really talk about that's going to post tomorrow on our website? Actually, if you're listening to this, it will be Wednesday, right, Dan? So we're recording on Tuesday. There will be a story on our website that's also going to post Wednesday. It's unlike any Brown story that I've ever read, and I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope you guys have fun with it, too. If you're listening this long, you're probably die hard enough to read it. For sure. It's it's a great read. It's a great story. It is a very unique one-on-one that Nate got. It has some really great art with it. Um, <laughs> it, it that is it, uh, that is an understatement. It, we we I do want to say this, Dan. We worked with a guy named Brian Shelto for a long time, mm-hmm. and I got to know Brian pretty well. Um, and he is a hell of an artist. And I yes. I texted him the other day. If you guys see the story with the art, Brian Shelto did the art for it. And I told him it was an honor for him to to do something for a story I was working on. Um, it, it's it looks awesome. So I hope you guys get to see that. Yeah, and, and do check it out. Brian is a great guy, and um, unfortunately, he's, a, he, he's been a casualty of this stupid business that we're in. Um, just a, a great journalist, and like Nate said, a great artist, and you can see his work. If you go and follow him on Twitter, he's at Shellatunes. Uh, great style, great artist of multiple... Um, art styles he can paint he can draw he can do just about everything so make sure you're following brian you're going to want to check out nick's story that is posting wednesday morning Uh, some of you will listen to this on tuesday afternoon or tuesday night so we can't tell you any more about it except to check in on wednesday over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash browns you can also follow nate on twitter he's at by nate ulrich he will, of course, tweet the story out early in the morning, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, a lot of coverage coming up. Our colleague Marla Reidenauer has a fun story coming up this weekend, and a whole bunch more. So stay tuned. Again, beaconjournal.com slash sports slash browns. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next week.